slash careers. From the Jeff Studios, where every Tuesday buy 10 wings, get 10 wings free. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Welcome back, Miller and Condon. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you up until noon here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Bottom of the hour, the voice of the Minnesota Wild, Joe O'Donnell, will join Trent and I. We'll take a look at the upcoming Stanley Cup final. We're down to two on uh, the ice tomorrow night. It begins in Denver, uh, 7 o'clock. The puck drops. ESPN has that. So the Lanch are the favorites. The back-to-back defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning uh, will be sharing the ice. Right now, let's uh, talk about the other winter sport that sadly, in both cases, coming to an end, maybe as soon as Thursday night uh, for the NBA. John Cannon, who has covered uh, the NBA both in Phoenix and uh, in the um, Oakland-San Francisco area uh, for a long time, joins us. John Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming back on. We appreciate it. So I thought you guys were going to have O Canada as your bumper music for this segment. <laughs> Boy, you know we could have, right? The in, Canadian. In, in, the, in honor of the Canadian who played... I mean, when when they got Wiggins, what what were you what were your expectations? Watching him in Minnesota, I'm sure you you looked into it, part of his career in Kansas, where he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, um, first overall pick in the draft, but really never lived up to it in the in the Twin Cities. He's a different player. What is what has changed in his game, in your opinion, John? Here's what this strikes me as: we judge individual players on their performances in team sports. That's fair. Yeah, and, yeah. and we judge them based on their, their stats, and we judge them based on their wins, and we judge them, which is insane, based on their championships won. Uh, in all sports, we do this now. And a, once in a while, a guy like Wiggins comes along and tells us how stupid that is. I mean, drop that guy into Minnesota and tell him, no, you have to lift that, that program with no culture, no strong leadership at the ownership level, the general manager level, rotating, revolving door of coaches, you have to be the number one pick. You got to go. And there's nothing more demoralizing than, than playing well and looking around and seeing other guys not play well, not care. And, and especially on the defensive end, you know, you make a great play, a great stop and, and your guy tosses the ball over to somebody who's wide open for a shot. I mean, that after a while, that's going to wear on you. And, it took, you know, and the funny thing is when Wiggins first came to the Warriors, they were terrible. <laughs> they were in the middle of a 15 win season. He was right at home, right? <laughs> but last year, he really showed signs of, of being a different kind of player, being a, a real, a, a real warrior, a guy that, that played every game when not everybody does that anymore and, and who played 30, 35 minutes a game and, and brought it on defense every night. And, and sometimes 20 points were there and sometimes they weren't. And I think what we're seeing this month is Wiggins. So here, here's what I've always said about the Warriors. They figure it out. 
They've, that's what they started doing in that very first year, 14-15. They were down 2-1 to Memphis. They were down 2-1 to Cleveland. They won both of those in six. They went boom, boom, boom. They won games four, five, and six in all three of those series. They figure it out. This is Wiggins figuring it out. He is finally figuring out how good he can be. He's believing in himself. I mean, that's what that was all about last night was belief. He was making the toughest twos I've ever seen in a basketball game, and he was making them casually. It was really amazing. John, from there, I want to go to Steph. And, of course, the performance that he saw, one of the best ever in his career back in Game 4 to what we saw last night. But even a game where he doesn't hit a three-pointer for the first time ever in the playoffs for 233 games in his career, here he is impacting the game in other ways. He looked tired. He looked worn out. And yeah. that's going to happen, I think, also when you're not they hitting shots. They guarded him last night, too. They absolutely did. But his impact, his ability to still get to the rim and make plays shows you that he is so much more than just a shooter. And not only that, he played good on the other end of the floor. It'll be one of the most underappreciated things. But what he was back with all the foot injuries early in his career and what a terrible defender he was to what he has morphed into here today, he's not just a shooter. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's very well said. And I think that, you know, the guy was a plus 15 last night, you know, and, and he hit some big twos. Mm-hmm. Some of those runners in the lane, and they desperately needed him. And then he started, you know, here's what happened. Boston guarded him further out. They played the high pick yeah. and roll differently than they had ever played him in the series. And you knew they were going to come up with something, right? They had to. And so... That's why he took such really stupid long threes in that game. I mean, half of those threes he missed were from 10 feet behind the line because I think he was disoriented because he was the defense was getting into him so far out that he'd beat the pick and roll and he'd be over there and he'd throw it up there and he would be a mile from the, from the rim. So I think that's when he really figured out, okay, I got to drive. I just got to give him that. I'm not going to get a three, <clears throat> an easy one at least. And there were several, even when he did have his feet on the line, where he started to shoot it and he stopped because he knew it was going to get blocked by somebody. So I thought that was really mature uh, the way he played that game. And I knew, I mean, I knew he'd be disappointed. Obviously he'd be disappointed about having a streak like that end, but he said himself, he said, I never can't imagine being so happy to, to go over. Um, but this game was so important that uh, he, he, he's not questioning the way, the way it all turned out. Well, Draymond Green as well, before we take a look at game number six with you, John Cannon. Uh, Draymond Green, uh, I thought his impact in the first quarter really set the tone for the entire game because he was into it early. That fake pass where everybody bought yeah. it, and he just <laughs> waltzed untouched uh, to the basket. I thought that was a thing of beauty. He was involved early, and I thought that set the tone. He was Two turnovers for him. That's huge. You know, he has been so casual with them. And one of them was a terrible pass. He threw a cross-court one-hand pass to Clay. Um, and I don't know, Clay didn't even, couldn't even believe it was coming. And, and that, was, that was part of that, you know, little third-quarter collapse they had at the beginning of the third quarter. But he generally, he played great at the beginning and the end of those games. And he also, he had a breakaway with Robert Williams trailing him. And he went for a dunk where he might not have otherwise, but he knew if he tried to lay it up, Williams would block it. And so he went for the dunk, and he, and he got fouled, and he made the two free throws, which was huge. Boston was terrible from the free throw line last night, and the Warriors were 13-15, and 15, and that was a big thing. But before you move on to game six, I want to talk about Clay because, he, I mean, he, he played well. He was, As you mentioned, he was the only starter who, who hit a three for the Warriors. And, but he, they were down five in that third quarter, and he hit a three. And then they were down four, and he hit a three. And, man, they – 
desperately needed those shots. Um, and they got to where Jordan Poole then hit the three that, that brought them close. And then Gary Payton hit a, a two. And then Poole hit the three at the buzzer. And they were on their way. Looking forward, now let's go to game six. As we look at this one, mm. Boston, a three-and-a-half, four-point favorite currently. It had been a zigzag series until we got to last night, as it's been now two in a row, and Boston's back-to-back losses, first time in a long time that's happened to the Celtics. When you look at this one, fatigue, how much that sets in back across the country again, and I already brought it up. I I anticipate we'll see Scott Foster. The NBA (laughs) wants a Game 7. Yeah, that, I mean, the NBA certainly does, and and I think Scott Foster is a guy you got to look at. Um, <laughs> yep. I think he was the guy he had he had the most phone calls with Tim Donahue when Donahue was was busted. Is that right? Really? He had hundreds, yes, hundreds of like twenty second phone calls with Scott Foster, um, and and the Warriors used to hate <laughs> Scott Foster because he was really hard on them early in their run, but lately he's been easier on them. Um, but so I, I can certainly see that happening. And, and the, look at that, what happened to Looney with his three quick fouls last, yeah. uh, last night, which really hurt them. And the fact that they overcame that and they overcame a bunch of other little things. But so here's what I think it, fatigue, definitely an issue. The Warriors have played two fewer games than the Celtics at this point. They had a lot of rest in between their series where the Celtics didn't. And now the Celtics have had two six hour plane rides after losses, which Cannot be fun. No. Um, I think they're although they're flying this morning, the they're flying this morning. They yeah, didn't they, they, all, both teams. I think are right. that's, that's what the extra day gives you is yep. the ability to, to to you know. But you know who knows what he did last night in San Francisco. You know <laughs> <laughs> whether they were whether they went to bed early or not. I don't know. Um, but I, so they're they're certainly. I think fatigue showed in the fourth quarter of Game Four. And then it showed again last night. And because you can see toward the end of games, they're not attacking the same way on offense. They're settling mm-hmm. for longer shots. Um, and on, on defense, they're not as quick to close out and to rotate. And that's what happens when you get tired. Your brain, your brain says, hey, go over there. And your body's like, what, are you kidding me? So I think, I think that Boston's going to be very strong early. And the, the Warriors have to match that, meet that energy early. And if they do, I think they'll win. If well, Boston yeah. can sustain that energy the whole way, then we'll have a game seven. Well, look, here's how I – Golden State's not missing 31 threes tomorrow night like they did last night, right? This is why I'm nervous about not getting to game seven. I really am. I mean, Curry's – how many – what's the – the prop comes out tomorrow. What is it for Curry over under how many threes, Trent? Uh, three and a half or four and a half is but it's when it's been most of this playoffs. Probably three and a half. Jeez, give I me take the, the over. over. Yeah. Give me the but, over. But if – if um if Boston guards the three point line like they did last night, then they could have another brutal night shooting threes. They they could, but th- that's when they they take the ball and they do other things with it, and they figure out how to how to beat a team that's that's really picking up the defense forty feet from the basket. Mm-hmm. That's you know so that but that affected all the Warriors three point shooting last night. It wasn't just Curry. It was Wiggins was zero for seven, right, or zero for six, zero for six. Which means he was like twelve for nineteen on twos. I mean, he was really, really good on really tough two pointers. And to come to come back to that, and his defense on Tatum was also fantastic. And Tatum's a young guy, and you yeah. kind of forget how young he is until you see him really struggling to to come up with answers in a situation like this. And and this is what was weird about the Warriors was they didn't have this. They didn't go to the finals and lose. They didn't go to the conference finals and lose. They went straight from winning. The, the getting knocked out in the first round in 2014 to the Clippers in, in seven games. Curry got fouled on the last shot. It didn't get called. 
And if it had, and they had won that game, Steve, Mark Jackson does not get fired. Steve Kerr does not get hired. <laughs> yeah. And none of this happens wow. because Steve Kerr unlocked Steph Curry. And Steph, Steph would have been great. He would have been an all-star. He probably would have been a Hall of Famer. But Steve Kerr's offense, this motion offense, they went from the, the least passing team in basketball to the most passing team in basketball literally on day one. And and it's been look out ever since. Well, yeah, Trent made a really good point early in the show uh, this morning too, when he when he mentioned Steve Kerr's usage of timeouts. It's Trent. incredible. It's absolutely yeah. incredible. I, you watch obviously a lot more Warriors basketball than me, but there's some coaches that you're left scratching your head. He not he doesn't wait till that run starts. It's he anticipates. Shot. Yeah, he just he is so on top of it. When you watch that guy and the way he facilitates, I mentioned this going all the way back to, I think it was a game in the Memphis series, and you can tell when he is just locked in. He's an incredible coach, and the timeout usage, he's a wizard at it. Yeah, he is an incredible coach. And so many people look at his personnel and think, oh, anybody could coach those guys. Well, yeah, anybody could coach those guys, and they'd win 50 games. Mm -hmm. But this is, this is different, and you're right. And although, ironically, in that third quarter, he went one possession more than I thought he was going to before really? he called the timeout. He gave them one more possession, and he actually was waving his arms like, come on, because they were all looking, thinking he was going to call a timeout. <laughs> and they missed that, and the and Boston got another basket, and he was like, okay, all right, I'll call a timeout now. And But they did have a lead to work with there. I think if that would have been a different situation. If the, if the third quarter had started tied and Boston went on a 10-0 run, I think you would have seen a timeout sooner. He had a little wiggle room there. And he really hates to use two timeouts in a quarter, but he did it because he really he had to. But that leaves you one short, you know. The rest, and and not only that, but your your opponent gets one more because they don't have to take a TV timeout because you took them both one quarter. The timeout rules are something. If you're really an NBA basketball fan, you need to know the timeout rules because it's it's really a big thing about you. You see it trend the games you do as coaches trying to get to the, mm-hmm. the TV timeout, yep. right? I mean that's big. And and sometimes getting to the TV timeout can kill you. You gotta you gotta you just gotta burn one. And, but you're right. I think um, Kerr handles that. And look at Kerr's staff. You know, you sit there and you look out on the bench, and he's got two guys next to him. They're both going to be head coaches next year. They were mm-hmm. both fired. They went to the Warriors, and now they got you know they're going to be head coaches next year. And you think he's going to have any trouble filling those spots? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, yeah. John, we'll get you out of here on this. Make a case for Boston to win tomorrow night. What do they have to do to win? Well, they have to come out with force and then maintain it. And, and they have to, they have to do all the things that they've done right in pieces of games and they have to do them right for the whole game. And that includes offensively, they've got to keep their movement and, and they get really static. And when things break down, um, and I think Marcus Smart needs to stop flopping on the floor yeah, because for him to do, you know, he's starting to, you know, I think the refs are starting to say, you know, I'm not going to call yep, that. Yep. <laughs> and that's what happened on Clay Thompson. There was a little push there, <laughs> but in this game, oh, by the way, Clay, Steph Curry, whether well, we're evaluating him from last night, he looked like a running back trying to break tackles <laughs> just to just to move without the ball. I mean, they were holding him away from the ball so tight, and then Horford backed into him. And Steph got the foul on that. I mean, it was really rough. And now Smart wants a call when, when Clay just moves his arm a little bit to try to create some space. Ah, give me a break. John Cannon. John, great stuff. Thanks for doing this for us, John Cannon. We will uh, talk to you. Anytime. Yep, take care. Okay. John Cannon, as we uh, take a look at game number five into game number six, where Boston is a four-point favorite. Curry going to miss every three? No. Wiggins going to miss every three? One starter going to be the only one that makes a three? No. They missed 31 overall. 
I can't see the Celtics losing three in a row, though. That's a great gamble. No, I thought they, I because they've been so good off a loss, that's why it was on Boston right. last night, but I just can't envision it. And especially at home. Absolutely. TD. And you'll get Peyton Pritchard actually not pooping his pants. That'd be a positive. Because he looked, he had an impact on these playoffs until the final. He looked lost uh-huh. out there. They had no bench. None. Bench, a couple of garbage threes. Bench plays better at home more times than uh-huh. not. Uh-huh. And this isn't conspiracy. This is not tin foil hat. This is what we have seen in the NBA. Scott Foster comes out or <laughs> a preferred ref to get you to a game seven. You're on the Warriors, though. Grabbing the points or money line? I don't know yet. <laughs> we still got a couple of days. That's a good thing. Indeed we do. We will uh, talk puck. We don't have a couple of days. We've got to one. Game number one tomorrow in Denver. The Stanley Cup playoff. The final begins. It's the Lanch hosting the back-to-back defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Joe Donald's seen them both in person over the year, over the uh, season as the voice of the Minnesota Wild. He'll join us next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. Des Moines homeowners have two questions. What's the best time to rent out my home? And what's the best way to do it? The best time is when you're moving, relocating, combining households, inheriting a house, or you just don't want to pay a mortgage anymore. The best way to rent? Hire Renner's Warehouse. Whether you have one home or a property portfolio, Renner's Warehouse does the work so you don't have to. They perfectly price your property so you don't have to. They find great tenants in just 17 days on average so you don't have to. And for a small flat monthly fee, their professional landlords manage your property 24-7 so you don't have to. Collect the rent? You don't have to. Maintenance, inspections, and tax paperwork? You don't have to. There's no upfront fees, no binding contracts, and you can cancel at any time. Find out what your home will rent for by calling 515-528-4429 or go to renterswarehouse.com. That's renterswarehouse.com. Renters Warehouse, Des Moines. You can't buy happiness. Your side. Well, construction can give you a good life by giving you opportunities to be a part of a team that does real tangible things in your community. For many of us, it's that feeling of doing something with our hands and creating something from scratch and or giving back to a new home or a remodel project. Do you enjoy working with your hands? Do you enjoy providing for your community? Do you enjoy getting out there and doing a hard day work and coming home and saying, yeah, I did that. Apply today. Wolfconstruction.net. Your baseball Maybe you're thinking about franchising your business or purchasing a franchise. There's an experienced and trustworthy franchise lawyer right in your backyard. Don't waste your time or money searching for a lawyer out of state when Rush Niggett is here and ready to help your business. Hi, I'm Rush. I've specialized in business and franchise law for the past 25 years. I don't just want to be your lawyer. I want your business to succeed as much as you do. Your business needs Rush. Visit his award-winning blog at RushOnBusiness.com. It's good to have Rush on your radio and Podcasts you'll love. Victory Mounds is your ace when it comes to premium baseball and softball products and services. Utilizing our vast game and industry expertise, we sell portable pitching mounds, field equipment, and field products that we trust, use, and have used when coaching or playing. But that's not all. Victory Mounds Field Consulting Services can help you improve the quality and playability of your field. Craig Allison has years of experience in the mound business and is Victory Mounds National Sales Executive, while Mike Donahoe is in charge of field equipment and products. Visit VictoryMounds.com to see what Victory Mounds can do for you and you shine your side.
Hello out there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trends play of the day. Coming up here in about 15 minutes, Circus Sports sponsors it. We won't have time tomorrow to pick Joe O'Donnell's voice, so we brought him in a day in advance of game number one of the Stanley Cup final. It's the Lanch. It's the Lightning. Joe O'Donnell, good to speak with you as always. I know you saw though, the Lanch, what, four times in Tampa Bay twice. Joe, I guess where we should start, I, I think the, when it's all said and done, um, the right two teams are playing for the Stanley Cup, don't you think? I think it's hard to argue that, Kenny. Um, thanks for having me on, guys. I really hadn't thought about that aspect of it, but ultimately, you know, they were two of the top five or whatever teams in the regular season. Uh, it's got a ton of star uh, power, does this matchup. Um, you know, if you look into some of, like, the analytics and what actually defines a star player hitting certain metrics, this Stanley Cup final has the most in, like, the last 25 years. Wow. Um, you have some of the game's greatest young players, and you've got the two-time defending champs uh, on the other side. So I think it's going to be uh, a really exciting Stanley Cup final. I expect the scoring to kind of stay at that higher clip, which we've talked about in the past, and uh, looking forward to Wednesday night and seeing who has the upper hand. You know, so often uh, the matchup's important, right, because one team does X well, the other team does Y well, and a lot of times I don't put enough stock, I feel like, into the matchup. So I can't wait to see game one and start to see sort of the chess match between the two teams and, and if there's an advantage either way because, you know, the Avalanche just come at you in waves or the Lightning just refuse to go away and those sort of little games within the game. Rest versus rust. It's been a big conversation yep. piece leading into this. Nine days off, and hockey is such a different sport in comparison going out there. And Ken's brought up the point, too. Maybe it's just getting rest, and that's a good thing for the skaters out there, but for the goaltenders, not seeing a live puck at you, that's different, especially nine days away. How do you see it? It's a great point. Um, look, the Lightning just dealt with it, right? Their worst game of the Eastern Conference Final was against the Rangers in Game 1, mm-hmm. where Vasilevsky looked human, yep. and they just weren't sharp. And they were coming off sweeping pan- uh, the Florida Panthers and had, what, nine days off. John Cooper, <laughs> even after the series, said early in the series the rest hurt them, but by the end of it he felt that they had the advantage. So we'll see here. Colorado has played three fewer games in Tampa Bay so far through three rounds. Uh, Colorado has two sweeps under their belt in the six-game series against the Blues. The Lightning went seven games, four games, and now six games. So uh, I don't think there's a huge difference there. If any team can handle um, this, it's Tampa. They know what it takes. It'll be interesting for me to see how Colorado handles uh, such a long layoff. And they are banged up. I mean, they lost Nazem Kadri, big part of their Mm -hmm. team. Samuel Girard, the young defenseman's out for the playoffs. Uh, Andrew Cogliano, a veteran forward. Hasn't played in a bit. Darcy Kemper, their number one goalie, um, suffered that eye injury and has been out for a few games. So who starts in net? When do they get those guys back? I think Tampa has the early edge as far as the series, the start of the series, right? Games one and two. Even though they're on the road, I think Tampa uh, can at least earn a split here. 
and then we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Joe. You know, when when you when you see all the you know the the teams in the league, when you're watching them, uh, all 32 teams, but one of them on you know, four times a year, you see Colorado. Everybody talks about their speed, and, and they are unbelievable. But do you yeah. notice, Joe, watching NHL hockey every night? Do you know? Is there? Can you tell a difference that yeah, Colorado has more team speed overall than anybody we've seen? I think it's a it's more of a style of play thing, Kenny. Um, I really do like when the Wild played the Florida Panthers this year. I remember leaving that game down in sunrise. You know, six weeks into the season, going whoa, like that team was the first team where they were better than the Wild uh, on the ice. And then Minnesota got off to a great start in the season and finished with 113 points. So they were hmm. they were definitely a good team. But you, certain games you leave going, man, like that team just does this really well or that team is so deep in this area of their game or their attack. Um, and Colorado is one of those teams. I mean, they're going to play a fast-paced game. Um, they're going to get up in transition. When you have guys like McCarr and McKinnon that can change the game with their speed and their pace of play, it's a huge advantage. And then you got to look at the specialty teams. I mean, both power plays are, are unbelievable. Um, and, and Tampa's going to get Braden Point back right. in time for game one. So um, the fact that they've done what they've done without him, maybe their best forward, uh, no offense to Nikita Kucherov or Steven mm-hmm. Stamkos, but you know, a guy that could score 20 goals in a playoff year if he's healthy. And here they are in the Stanley Cup final again for the third straight time, and, uh, and they've done it for a large share without one of their best players. is pretty remarkable. So for us novice hockey guys, give us uh, something that we should be watching, either a, a player, an impact, a key that you're going to be watching for that you think ultimately is going to decide this series. I think Braden Point coming back is a big, big storyline. Um, you know, he'll add to their power play. They can put him anywhere in the lineup, really. Um, but the other part for me, guys, is the goaltending. Yep, I mean, huge. Andre Vasilevsky is head and shoulders of mm-hmm. Darcy Kemper and Pavel Francis, and it's not a knock on either of those guys. Um, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning have shown an ability that we haven't seen in the NHL since really, like, you could argue the mid-'80s as far as this run of dominance goes. I mean, there were some teams in the 90s, the Red Wings, the Avalanche, that had some runs, the Devils. Uh, but this is the first time I think a team's made the Stanley Cup final in three consecutive years in a long time. So um, they, they're... You know, you talk about trying to beat somebody once is one thing, but trying to beat them four times, nobody's been able to do it. Um, I think they've won like 15 straight playoff series. So it's really, really impressive. Um, If you're going to beat Vasilevsky four games out of seven, it's going to take a hell of an effort, and and they're going to need some goaltending. So if it's Kemper or Francois or both, if Colorado has any chance, and I do believe they have a chance, obviously there's so much talent, um, they've got to get good goaltending, uh, better than good goaltending, in fact. And, and if they don't get that, if they lose even just one game in the series where you go, man, Vasilevsky was just better, um, that's, it's going to make their their uh, their challenge that much deeper. Uh, no question about it, Joe. It's such a huge advantage. And I took a stand against Colorado for that for against Tampa Bay all season long because I didn't think we would see a team in this era get back to the yeah. Stanley Cup, let alone win it. Uh, get back for the third straight year. I took a stand, and it looks as though I'm going to be wrong. So back to Kemper for a second, because I think Kemper was here when the Wild returned to Des Moines, yep. right? So you yep. essentially yep. watched him in his development. Um, yeah. Right. What? What? How do you beat? How do? You, what will Tampa Bay be looking to do on Darcy Kemper tomorrow? So he's a former Minnesota Wild six-round draft pick. I want to say from 2009. So his first pro game was actually in Houston when I was down with the Arrows before that? the team even moved uh, to Iowa. So, yes, Darcy Kemper is a former Iowa Wild netminder. 
Um, he's going up against former Iowa Wild head coach Derek Alone, who's an assistant with Tampa, as we know. So that's kind of a cool uh, Des Moines hockey storyline in this series. But the one thing about Darcy Kemper, and I don't know if this is just against Minnesota because it's his former team or what, but I know that he can get rattled. Um, sort of Jordan Bennington rattled, if there's any Blues fans out there, where if you get in his kitchen and kind of uh, trigger that fuse with him, he loses focus a little bit. Again, I don't know if that was just a Minnesota thing because he knew his former teammates and they knew how to get in his kitchen, but I think not only taking away his eyes, but getting in there, bumping him a little bit, getting under his skin, maybe a little trash talk, he is a guy that I've been told can get off his game. Um, you would think on the biggest stage he might be able to control that. I think the world of Darcy Kemper is a person, knowing him for so many years way back. I haven't seen him in ages now, but a uh, really nice kid, really, um, you know, he's come up the right way through the through the hockey ranks. He's bounced around a little bit. He's got a chance to win a Stanley Cup. But I, I think guys like Corey Perry and uh, Pat Maroon and, and <laughs> yeah. Elmar on Tampa. Right in front I of the net. If, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be surprised they try and rattle his cage yep. early, especially since he's been off and, and see how he responds. Corey Perry, he, I hate him. Yeah, I'd love to have him on your team. He's just one of, one of those dudes. What about the coaching advantage? Like, I think Bednar's a really good coach for Colorado. Yeah. I do. But John Cooper's won two straight Stanley Cups, and here they are again. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, the culture they have there, um, his sort of humble approach to it all, too, right? Like, he's always complimentary to the other team. He's very classy. You don't see him get rattled often. Um, and I think his team sort of takes on that mantra, right? They, you know, they took the Rangers' best punch down two nothing in that series. Yep. Um, it could have been, you know, what we've done this, we've won our cups, let's have an early summer, <laughs> and they end up winning four in a row uh, to win that series. So it was really impressive. Again, without Braden Point, who's a huge part of their team, uh, just speaks volumes about what they've built down there. And um, you know, John Cooper has even said that he was surprised at how hungry his team appears. It's almost like they haven't won before, and that's very impressive. What's is the uh, what's is the loudest building? Tougher to building to play in? Well, it's a, it's a Central Division matchup when it's Avs and Wild, so yeah. maybe it's a different level. But uh, what about the two buildings, Joe? Uh, the, the one trip to Tampa this year, I was I was pleasantly impressed with their with their vibe and their atmosphere. Um, you know, they can get into it, and obviously. That first year they won the cup, they weren't able to be in the stands. It was in the bubble, so right. it's not like they're uh, they're totally spoiled as far as their fan base being in the building. Um, and last year was sort of even some of those limited capacities throughout the playoffs, if I remember correctly. So I think this will be um, a really good atmosphere in both buildings. Uh, Ball Arena in Denver is a great building as well, um, and obviously the Avalanche. You know, the, I think their last cup was two thousand one. So. Their fans have waited a while now, too, to be back in this spot. So I think from that standpoint, you're going to have packed houses. You're going to have rowdy atmospheres. Um, and, and really, both teams have played really well in home ice all year. So that's, that's definitely a big part of this, too, is that, um, you know, when you, when you need a bump from the, big, from the home crowd, can you get it? Can you take that momentum over in a hockey game? Official offseason will be upon us very shortly. What do the Minnesota Wild have on tap? I know Marc-Andre Fleury, he's an unrestricted free agent. What can you tell us there? A guy like Kevin Fiala, he's That's restricted. So financially, where they are, what do you anticipate this offseason to look like for the Wild? I would expect a trade of Fiala, um, and I think that probably would come around the draft if I was a betting man. Um, they do have their first-round pick, and I think they have uh, one or two second-round picks as well. So... Um, Judd Brackett, who runs their scouting department, will be running the draft for the second straight year as well-respected. He had a great draft last year for the Wild. 
got a lot of prospects coming up. So I'm looking forward to the draft to seeing what they can add. Um, and then obviously the trade of Fiala will be something all Wild fans will be keeping their eyes on. Joe Donald, voice, the radio voice of the Minnesota Wild. Joe, thanks for doing this. Enjoy your summer. Appreciate you coming on. You got it, guys. And hey, real quick, I forgot Nico Sturm is with Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> yes. a couple of years in Des Moines as well. So he could, uh, he could find himself on the, on Lord Stanley's Cup as well. It's a pretty cool story. Yeah, he was traded. Was he not late in the year over there? Yep. Yeah, he was traded for Tyson Jones. That's um, right. Sure. So yeah, that's, uh, found himself in a good spot and he's played in a few playoff games and scratched a couple times as well but you know you can get your name on that cup real quickly if uh, if he dresses a game in the final and um and and they have some success well and you mentioned the injury so he's liable to see the ice no doubt yeah. Thank, thanks joe appreciate it all right guys yep Take good to hear from you joe donald voice of the minnesota wild the wrong team's favorite <laughs> the wrong team's favorite i think it's because you have all those colorado tickets partly but i but the the goaltending edge in this series it's huge but when Colorado starts getting downhill, they're fast. Gail McCarr is unbelievable. Nathan they're McKinnon, so fun to watch. For, for a novice like me, it just it's an enjoyable mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. Tampa's not as enjoyable. No, they're going to park. I mean, Patrick Maroon, they call him the big rig. He was with the Blues. This guy's won three straight Stanley Cups. He was with the Blues, mm-hmm. last two with the Lightning, and here he is again. He's a fourth-line winger. He's huge. This is what I see in my mind's eye. This is how this is going to play out. I'm going to bet, of course, as I always do. Tampa is going to get one of these first two games. They're going to go to Colorado. They're going to earn a split. And I we, wouldn't be a bit surprised if it's tomorrow night. Right. And we just talked about the the rust factor, what we saw from Tampa after they swept Florida. They'll get one of these two. They'll go then to Tampa. This is a 2 2 one 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 correct? Mm-hmm. They'll go there. We'll see another split. Game five, back in Colorado. Colorado wins that one, and then they clinch in game six. Kind of get their feet back underneath them. Okay, so what's the price? You've obviously given us some thought. I have. Avs in six, it returns what? Plus 440 okay. at Circus Sports currently. That one also kind of started salivating when I saw that price. I really ah. like the price, so then maybe that led to me playing it out in my mind that way. You know, that can happen from time to time. This yeah. is not strictly a number play. Look, I, I, I thought all year long Colorado was the best team I've seen. And you've said it, you said it many times. Since, essentially since October. Mm-hmm. But this Tampa Bay team, they're just winners. They just win. You want Tampa in six? Plus 580. Hmm. What about Tampa in seven? Plus 650. So there's 26 NHL people employed at ESPN. Mm-hmm. 26. They ask for their opinion. 14 picked TB. Really? Mm-hmm. 14 hockey minds at ESPN picked Tampa Bay to knock off Colorado. And to win the series, it is currently plus 155. So it's coming down. And Avalanche minus one. Are, are you on Circa? I'm Circa, Because yep. they, were, they were plus 170 on Sunday. So they're taking in Tampa money. Uh-huh. They're taking Tampa money. 11.45. Uh, speaking of Circa and speaking of sports betting, which we have been, Trent's Plays of the Day, coming up next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106 points. Let's ride. If you're thinking of incorporating or setting up an Iowa LLC, zoom right past LegalZoom and work with Rush Niggett, a Brick Gentry PC. He set up an affordable online small business package that helps you decide whether to form a limited liability company LLC or a corporation. With Rush Niggett's help, it's easy to form your new small business. Rush Niggett, a business lawyer with Brick Gentry Law PC. Go to RushOnBusiness.com. It's good to have Rush... <laughs> The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circus Sports. With two ways to win and no rate. 
Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with 12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com. You're looking for a drink. Something great to eat. And you're looking for somewhere new. You're looking for your new favorite sports bar. Introducing you to Fat Charlie's. Urbandale's getting their own upscale sports tavern. This is what Fat Charlie's is going to have for you. Wall-to-wall TVs, fierce sports viewing, a great food menu, and a huge selection of beers. It's Fat Charlie's coming soon. For details. It's time for Trent's Pick of the Day. Brought to you by Circus Sports Iowa. Here's Ken and Trent. Hi, Millery Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Uh, Trent's play of the day momentarily. The Big Ten Media Day schedule has just been released. Iowa will speak on the 26th of July, Tuesday. There they share the day with Indiana, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern. The rest go the following day. You going to Indy? No, not to Indy. No. Not the same as Chicago. It's not the same as Chicago. You know where I'm going to go next year? I'm going to go. <laughs> I do. I'm going to go to West Virginia. I I don't get it. I just I want to stay at that place, the Greenbrier. I want to go there. I don't know why I always want. There's a, I want to get in the um, in the bunker, the underground bunker. For whatever. I'm trying to talk Williams into going. Yeah, I see. Why well, I, I won't have to twist his arm. I'm yeah. sure he'll be there for Cyclone Fanatic, but uh, he can set up equipment, can't he? Yeah, <laughs> I see how it is. <laughs> I'll stay back here. I'll man the fort back here. You, you go to West Virginia. Uh, so what are you betting on today, Trent Condon? There's no NBA. Nope. There's no NHL, but there's a plethora of baseball, including one that starts in 20 minutes. Yeah, Cardinals will uh, be taking the field against the Pirates. Brubaker is just brutal, too, but... Didn't like the pitching magic on the Cardinal side, so I'm waiting until this evening. You talked me into it. This is actually a Ken play. This is not a Trent play, but I'll be playing it. Part of my five here tonight. Give me the Baltimore Orioles plus 190 against my boyfriend, Kikuchi. <laughs> He's I, awful. He has not been good. He stinks. He can't go deep into games. Nope. He is not efficient. Three and a third, four and two thirds. Oh, he has it. not been the guy that we saw last year in Seattle. Early yes. in the season last year. So I will take a stab here. Lyles is not very good either for Baltimore. He was terrible in and Texas. And Toronto scored 11 yesterday. <laughs> so plus 190 is the price. Against Kikuchi, you have to do it. Plus 190 Baltimore as I cringe. All right, let's go to game number two. We got your Quiddy on the bump for the Astros. Really like your Quiddy. Another mm-hmm. guy that's not always consistent, but when he's good, he's real good. And only minus 117 against the Rangers and Dunning. That's a price I just can't pass up. Give me Houston minus 117 on the road. Again, I don't get it. The Padres, it's minus 130. Yes, I'm laying odds here, but I think these should be more like minus 150 against the Cubs. Not only that, you know my theory. Guys coming off the injured list in their first start, bet against them. That's Hendricks tonight for the Cubs. Give me the Padres, minus 130. Uh, It'll be Manai on the mound for San Diego. One more before we get late-night baseball. That is Cleveland at Colorado here. Of course, you got Bieber. He's great. And he got runs being scored in this ballpark. I'm going to lay the one and a half. I'm going to go run line Mm. here with the Guardians, minus one and a half. Get minus 105 as opposed to a much bigger price there. So going to lay the one and a half with the Guardians on the road for Colorado and wrap it up tonight. It is my twins at Seattle. Another guy coming off the injured list, and he actually had COVID. And Joe Ryan, he is their best pitcher, yes, but going up against a guy who's been 
maybe even a little bit better this year. You talk about some dark horse candidates for a Cy Young. How about the season that Gilbert has put together for Seattle? He's been excellent. 6-2, and two, a 2.41 ERA. I will take Seattle. Short price here, minus 115 with the Mariners. Well, uh, there's a five-pack for you. Three and two is a profit. That is, especially if we get the Orioles. That's a real good profit. Uh, so tomorrow we are doing our show at Briarwood Golf Course in yep. Ankeny. What are we there for? Uh, we're there for the Graphite Construction Group Golf Tournament. It is benefiting the Puppy Jake Foundation. So we'll be out there doing our show I get to uh, hit up the golf course. Got a couple of clients that'll be coming out and playing with us too. So should be a good time. And also uh, in my foursome, my best friend from elementary school. Oh, nice. Yeah, Adam Markham. We were in kindergarten together. We're great friends all throughout elementary school. So getting together and haven't been on the links for a few years with, with him. So excited to get out there, swing it around a little bit. Our buddy Dave from the Chicken Coop, he's also going to be there. Good. So going to have a good time. And we're indoors, right? They're not going to park us on a hole. Well, I I think they should. I mean, you need to sweat. You didn't get enough out here today. (laughs) It's got to be better tomorrow, right? I would think. Well, not outside it won't be. It won't be, no. they got air conditioning. Yes, they do. So let's do it inside. Good stuff. Well, Murph and Andy, you are up next. They'll be in the hot box early. (laughs) From 1 until 3, the Fanatics. Chris, yes, Chris. Ross yesterday worked with Rob Luther. I saw that. Yeah, Rob's, I've known him for a long time. He's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Principal at, uh, where is he? Collins, Maxwell, or Baxter. One, one of, of the three. One of the three. And, of course, head football coach there. He's a good man. Uh, the, uh, the Fanatics at uh, three and then uh, Cyclone and Cider uh, tonight at six. We're Miller and Connie here. Trent and I weekdays from 10 until noon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXL.